As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital. Like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So Welcome to... Alex The Boston Celtics Podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan. And I'm joined, as always, by El Nino, the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Jay King. We are coming to you on Sunday evening after the Celtics drop a overtime loss to the Philadelphia 76ers to lose game four. They played a pretty, I'll say it, dog shit first half. They managed to fight their way back, played a little bit better on offense in the third quarter, have this amazing push in the fourth quarter to uh, eventually tie the game to take the lead. Marcus Smart has an opportunity to win the game with a wide-open three at the end of regulation. It does not go in. And we get into overtime where, Jay, what was the uh, the worst part of Celtics execution down the stretch? Was it Jalen Brown's decision yeah. to double uh, Joel Embiid in the cor- uh, and leave James Harden wide open in the corner when they were up two? Or was it the subsequent decision by Joe Missoula not to call a timeout? Or was it the subsequent decision by Marcus Smart and Jason Tatum to waste 14 seconds of the 18 seconds remaining before actually trying to do anything? It was Jalen's decision. Absolutely. The worst decision out of all of them. You're up two with 20-something seconds left. You cannot, cannot give up a three, and you certainly cannot double off the guy in the strong side corner. And you can't double off the best shooter the Sixers have. And the guy who's hottest, the hottest player in the game already had, what was it, 39 points at that point. So that was just a bad, bad time for a double team. Not the time to freelance. Not the time. Jalen does a lot of freelancing off ball. Um, but yeah, I, I said out loud to myself before that possession started, like James Harden had just thrown the ball away. I think Derek White tipped it out. I was just like, 
absolutely just can't let a three happen here. Uh, I thought like the Celtics did an interesting thing where they they put Al Horford on PJ Tucker to start the possession. And actually started smart on Joel Embiid to try to I guess keep Horford out of that initial switch so he could come off and be the help. Like Jason Tatum, I th- like he defended Embiid. I like Embiid tried to turn back the other way away from where Horford was, and it's just like you gotta just not foul in that situation. And if Joel Embiid makes a bucket to tie the game, then you have the same situation you have at the end of regulation where it's a tie game and you can hold for the last shot. It's just absolutely awful decision to leave James Harden in the corner there. And it was like, I think you talked to Horford after the game. That, that was not like something they called in the huddle. It was just, a, I think Jalen was freelancing and clearly made the wrong choice. Yeah, and Jason Tatum said, you know, they were trying not to give up a three. Al called it a defensive breakdown. Jalen said, I just screwed up there. And I understand why he was like panicked in that moment because Joel Embiid was going at Jason Tatum. But you, ha- the help has to come from Al Horford if it comes. Like, that's why you have Al Horford on P.J. Tucker in the corner. That's, that's just what you have to do. You cannot leave. James Harden in the strong side corner. And he almost got back in time. Um, made a, a great recovery after it, Jalen, but just a bad, bad play. And then then they come back the other side. Don't call a timeout. Which well, Let's just talk about I, that, every, that decision everyone first. Everyone freaks out about whether or not a coach calls a timeout based on the result. Like every single time, it's always based on the result. I thought it was... Totally fine for them not to call a timeout. They were attacking Tyrese Maxey throughout the fourth quarter, throughout overtime. They had success against it, getting great looks. Um, I believe they didn't call a timeout at the end of regulation, right? Which, And they got smart, a wide-open shot. It's a different for- uh, different circumstance, though, being tied and... Uh- being down one, I'll just say, it was like there is different factors at play there. Uh, yeah, uh, their mistake was not going early. If Joe Mazzulla should have called a timeout, it was when he realized they were taking their sweet ass time to get yeah. into something. And y- you got to give yourself a chance, not just for a shot, first of all, but for an offensive rebound, for a second chance attempt, for fouling if you miss, like. Just, just kind of weird to to go as late as they did. Um, but like, I did a non timeout initially was not a bad call. And no, the 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 issue is not calling a timeout at like nine seconds when Smart had just crossed half court, and like they're still getting into their action. Like for all the reasons you just mentioned, they had. They like you call a timeout. You basically get the opportunity for the Sixers to put their best defenders on the court. Like I, I think a lot of coaches want more control there and want to be able to draw up a play. And so like I don't think it would have been the bad thing. But it's like they made the strategic decision not to call a timeout with 18 seconds left. Then it's really on the players, specifically Marcus Smart and Jason Tatum, to get into the action quickly enough. So you have one, you actually get off a shot. Two, you have the chance at offensive rebounds, you have the chance to like foul, and they just didn't do that. And then I think you can criticize Joe Missoula for, you know, he had two timeouts there for maybe not calling one in the moment. It's just something that we've seen Brad Stevens do a number of times when he was the coach of the Celtics. Like, 
okay, not call a timeout, see if you can get an advantage, and then call one when the possession's going nowhere. And so I think if there's criticism for Missoula's decision-making, it's for not kind of interrupting the play at that time. But even then, even at nine seconds, it was like they still kind of were slow to get to Tatum. It didn't feel like Tatum started his drive until there was four seconds left on the clock. And at that point, it's like, I don't, I don't, you're just kind of like live and die with, you know, what Jason Tatum was doing. And the thing is, that's like extremely frustrating about the loss from my perspective is that the Celtics played just awful defense in the first quarter or first half. They had awful offensive execution in the first half. I think they missed 14 of 15 shots at one point. But then I thought in the second half, and especially in that fourth quarter, Jason Tatum was fucking awesome. Like, he dominated that game. I think in the second half, he had he had 17 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists. It felt like he was making all of the right decisions. They had this crazy 8-point comeback to come back into the, like to, to tie the game. I thought the Celtics, after playing not well at all, did a lot of everything right up until, like I guess, the final minute of overtime. And it's going to definitely get lost after Tatum really struggled in the first half, did not score any points. I thought he was excellent in the second half of that game. And I thought Joel Embiid was atrocious in the fourth quarter, just getting absolutely dominated by Al Horford, who blocked him not once, not twice, but at least, I think, three times in the fourth quarter. Like, I don't know. For like the the loss is very upsetting, but I feel like the the Celtics' ability to play themselves back into that game and how dominant they were in the fourth quarter has me feeling maybe more positive than I probably should be coming out of just a, a, a game the Celtics should have won. It had Al Horford feeling positive too. He said he was very encouraged, uh, which is kind of an interesting thing to say after what could have been a crushing loss. But I, I did feel like. For that fourth quarter, for most of overtime, like they knew what they were, get, were trying to get. They knew what they were trying to take away, and they executed it. Um, they went up five late in the fourth quarter, and it felt like they were just like that. It, it felt like a championship-level comeback where they just were about to take the 76ers' hearts, and Joel Embiid was getting swatted every time he tried to shoot, and it was going to be about like that game was going to be about how on the road down nine in the fourth quarter, the Celtics just absolutely dominated the 76ers. And then Harden hits the, uh, he had the floater getting to the, the, to the, like he was, Harden was just much better. I, we talked a lot about what the adjustment was for the 76ers. They did some smaller strategic things, but James Harden showing up and playing aggressively was the best adjustment Doc Rivers made, uh, I think, from Game 3 to Game 4. Yeah, I also felt like um, Jalen Brown's early foul trouble got him off the Harden matchup, and Jalen has been the best Harden defender in this series. And so when he got two fouls early, Celtics left him in the game, but they took him off Harden, and I thought that that allowed Harden to get going in a way, or it helped Harden get going in a way that that he couldn't in games two or three. He's had just a weird series so far, like two spectacular games. Spectacular games, complete with clutch shot after clutch shot, and two games where it was like, is 
is he shaving points? Like, well, <laughs> what's going on with James Harden right now? Um, the highs and lows have been wild. The uh, um, the the one play I think the Celtics well, there are two plays late in regulation. I think they probably would want back. They're up five. Um, Marcus Smart misses like a a late three at the end of the shot clock buzzer, I think, and then Brogdon just gets blown by by Harden and. Horford is guarding Joel Embiid, doesn't really help. Tatum just kind of waves at at Harden, doesn't want to leave Harris too open in the corner. Smart and Jalen on the weak side, neither of them help. And Harden goes in for the layup that brought brought Philly within three with like just less than two minutes left. It was just a huge bucket when Philly was just kind of falling apart. Um, and then the the big offensive rebound – and, and won by P.J. Tucker. After is it, what is was it an, even offensive rebound when you're catching an air ball from Tobias Harris? Tobias, no game Harris, as some might call him. Does it count as an offensive rebound? It does count as an offensive it's rebound. It's just a pass. Yes. It's just a pass from Tobias Harris. It's an amazing pass. Uh, but yeah, that was a huge play. P.J. Tucker, uh, who I, I get only made one shot before that, gets that, gets the and one Kind of a sloppy foul there on uh, Malcolm Brogdon. And then he proceeds to just scream at Joel Embiid and belittle him uh, for just being terrible throughout the fourth quarter. And now I have Sixers fans all over my Twitter timeline talking about how that's that's veteran leadership right there. That was the moment of the game for the Philadelphia 76ers. Although um, Joel Embiid did not play any better after getting yelled at by P.J. Tucker. But I know, like... PJ Tucker is their guy, but that was just annoying me. But yeah, those those plays, uh, that stretch there when they went from up five and gave up that lead was not great. You mentioned Marcus taking like a late shot clock three. Um, that was interesting because the Celt- uh, the Sixers like threw a kind of a a double at Tatum, and I don't think they it was like later in the shot clock. And I don't think they reacted well. It wasn't the best shot from Marcus, um, but then Marcus Smart like drew a drew that kind of foul on. Uh, PJ Tucker after that to kind of go up to um, they they had some trouble offensive rebounding or like finishing out possessions like Horford blocked Embiid but the ball hit the rim and the 76ers got the ball back happened again in overtime like they got some stops but then they couldn't secure the board and went out of bounds and the the 76ers had a good chance to just get or get more chances Um, so it was like I don't know. They they did it amazing. Like that stretch in the in the uh, uh, fourth quarter to one to like the eight zero run to just get back into the game. Um, that ended with the the uh, Marcus Smart finding Jason Tatum for the backdoor cut after he blocked Niang in the corner. That was an amazing stretch. And then the stretch to kind of get up five where they. Um, they got that smart three in transition. Then smart got into the paint and found Malcolm Brogdon to hit a huge three. Um, like they they really were playing some excellent basketball late in the game. Um, and just again, Marcus Smart got a great a great look at the end of regulation that would have been a huge buzzer beater to send the Celtics up three one. And just like they didn't call a timeout there. They basically ran the same play of this like Tatum driving. He gets a lot of attention and finds a guy. Uh, and the timing worked out well there. It's just uh, the shot didn't go in for Marcus. So, like, the process was there. It just didn't didn't drop. Yeah. that I thought that was a great, great play by Jason Tatum. He got the maxi switch, didn't settle at all, 
drove by him, drew Embiid at the rim, and found Smart wide open. It was as good a look as you can get, basically, in that situation. And and it just didn't go in. Um, like you said, kind of very similar to the, the last shot, or not a shot, but last <laughs> attempt. Should have been attempt in regulation. Uh, I thought Embiid was like, he just totally ran out of gas. And Shocking. I'm shocked to hear Joel Embiid ran out of gas in the fourth quarter of a playoff series. I've he, never heard that before. He was on empty in the fourth. Horford was blocking everything that he took. He did have a big shot on a face-up in overtime. But other than that, like, Embiid, and he had the, the – he drew the free throws and uh, – Kind of a bullshit – Floor bead call though, where he just like drew contact and immediately jumped on the on the ground. But that happens. I can't complain that much. Tatum absolutely pushed off on his three uh, to put the Celtics back up two uh, before the end of that game. Like I would not have been shocked if he got called for an offensive foul there. Horford's defense was amazing down the stretch. That fourth quarter in overtime, he was. I mean, this man was getting slandered during the Atlanta series and even game one of this series. Like, like he's too old for this now. And he was incredible down the stretch. I thought even the last possession on Harden um, in in regulation when he hit that floater, I thought they guarded it pretty well. He, he ended up beating Horford off the dribble, but Marcus Smart came over with the double off Tucker and, like, just got there a second too late. It was still a really, really tough shot by Harden. Um, and the Celtics... Like, they didn't give up a three on that possession like they did later in overtime. Whoops. I, I really thought, like, that was that fourth quarter was was everything people have wanted from the Celtics except for, like, three plays that could have won the game. Everyone has always said, well, well when they're ahead, they've got to execute. When when they're ahead in the series, like, can they handle prosperity? Can, can they do this and that? It was 2-1. They were down 16 points on the road, and just totally – they just had alligator blood for a while. I thought they pretty much executed for the last 17 minutes with the exception of like two or three details that ended up mattering a ton. But like if if they play at that level all the time, then they'll be really, really tough to beat. And – I, I I think Horford was probably right to be to leave that pretty encouraged because that was a spot up to one where the Celtics could have gone away and with their playoff history they've they've kind of given away some games like that. They did not give this one away. Uh, I guess they kind of did, <laughs> but they made they made the 76ers take it. And I mean, you can say they they did screw up. They had some major major mistakes though um, that they but will like, regret. At the also like they Al and the Horford, Horford miss the missed, Horford yeah. miss was tough. That was that's, wide open. That's exactly what I was about to bring up because like that I forget who passed it to him, but like I, it was probably Tatum. He just drew a lot of attention. Like their their ex offensive execution down the stretch, other than the final eighteen seconds of overtime, I thought was pretty good. Like they like they got Al Horford. If he makes that three there, they're 
basically they're up four with a minute 30 to play and the, the game feels totally different. And like, a, maybe it's again, too much positive, uh, too much positivity or coming off of a loss. But I just like, it was like just the comeback I thought was really good process. Now, we can still talk about the first half where they were just not very good at all. Tatum was clearly in a funk. I agree with you that like Jalen being in foul trouble kind of messed up their offense, but they did not come with the nearly as much defensive intensity in the the first half than I think they than the game needed. So I think it's like a fair to criticize them for giving up, I guess, sixty points in the in the first half, only scoring nineteen points in the first quarter. Um, I thought Malcolm Brogdon, like Jalen Brown's points early were very important. I thought Malcolm Brogdon's scoring in the second quarter was very important. But other than that, no one else really showed up in that first half. Uh, and like, I think I have confidence in this team to like, if it's, if it's a close game late to be able to execute. But the fact of the matter is they had to come back from being down 16 late in the third quarter to even like make this a game. And we're not talking about like late game details if they take care of business in the first half. Yeah, yeah. I thought Tatum had a especially bad first half. They were like he he got stoned by George Niang in isolation. He had a post up on Maxi and settled for a fadeaway. It was like. Just not at all a good half. He didn't score until like 28 seconds left in the second quarter. Um, you can't have that from him in a, a huge game. And that, that really cost them. Um, just, but that, that said, like fourth quarter and overtime, I just thought he executed at a super high level. They, the Celtics wanted to go at Maxi. They ran a ton of smart and Tatum. Uh, ball screens, and they got a lot out of it. They got great looks out of it regularly. And I think that's why Al, Al was so happy because for the most part, the details were there. Obviously, like they they screwed up some major details, but I think like 95% of the time, fourth quarter and overtime, they, they did what they were trying to do. They set out to uh, – attack in the ways that they wanted to. And I just thought it was a very mature fourth quarter and overtime until it wasn't. <laughs> like <laughs> like they they really and it, it was a huge missed opportunity, uh, obviously, to go up three one, up five with two minutes left and up up two with twenty five seconds left. Huge missed opportunity, but but that fourth quarter, like they, they reached another level, I thought as a team, and and almost almost walked away with what would have been would that have been like the most impressive victory the Celtics have had this season. I think like, so. Because I, I think it would it would have been like the toughest. Because um, they really well, didn't have it for the first half, and I would say even like the first eight minutes of the second or third quarter. They're, in the third quarter, their offense responded a little bit, but they still could not really get a stop. And it wasn't until like the f- couple, 
I think they went on a 10-3 run to end the third quarter. That was pretty huge just to even keep it at nine. Um, but then, they, yeah, it would have been their be- most impressive playoff win, certainly of this stretch. I would say probably game six against Milwaukee last year would be the most impressive playoff win from that I can uh, remember at this point. But just like their ability to get back in this game, I thought Marcus Smart was huge at the start of the fourth quarter. And then the Sixers actually, when when the game started getting tighter, felt like they looked like the Boston Celtics. They looked like a team that was playing, trying to run out the clock, was taking entirely too long to get into possessions, were making mistakes. And I thought the Celtics really like took over that part of the game. So it would have been... I think that uh, a very impressive win for them, and um, I got, I just feel like we're being way too positive. I was scared after uh, the podcast uh, on Friday night of Coley, his positivity, saying there's zero way that the Sixers could win. I was a little bit scared of the, that positivity there. I didn't want to say it at the time, but you're right. It was, you it have was no a di- backbone. You are a coward. Oh, I, Not that, saying what you meant. Yeah, I mean, that's not the least surprising thing in the world. I respect my friend Cole. I don't want to get in an argument with him. Not like you. Um, but, yeah, it's it's shitty because the Celtics have lost the two games in the series um, by, what, a, a couple of baskets? And then we're pretty do- – we're dominant in game two and we're, we're pre- like one coast-to-coast in game three. And so they find themselves tied – uh, in a series where it feels like they're objectively the better basketball team. <laughs> the uh, Things didn't go well for them, I thought, in the fourth quarter. Like, they missed a couple of layups. They had the Tatum outlet pass to Malcolm Brogdon that just went off his fingertips. But they responded. And, like, Tatum immediately got yeah. a block after that and they got tied the game. Like, they even their mistakes, they somehow, like, managed to put themselves in an opportunity to, to win that game with that smart three. Uh, but, yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, Harden, low key, like, other than the shot that tied the game in regulation, the last final seconds, I thought Harden's biggest play of the game was that steal with two minutes left in overtime. Um, the Celtics had, they ran a, a pick and roll with Smart and Horford, and Smart had Horford on the bounce pass, and Harden hustled to get back. And and steal the ball, and I just thought it was it was the hustle play that James Harden is not known for, and in a huge moment when it looked like Smart was going to hit Horford with an advantage, only Maxi was at the hoop to protect the rim. Like that probably would have been a dunk for Al if Harden hadn't made that play. He gets his hands dirty, gets back in the play. And then comes away with the loose ball and throws it out to Maxi. I just thought that like Harden Harden was great. He had some big defensive plays as well as offensive. Yeah, and it's it's just wild. I, we've mentioned it earlier, but like just the fluctuation from him in this series. I, frankly, I think it's inconsiderate of him to be so bad in games two and three to give me false hope that he's going to continue to be that bad for the rest of the series. Because, like, he's been two entirely different basketball players. And, like, game one kind of made sense. There's, like, no Embiid. He had to step up. But tonight it was just like, oh, I can attack the rim. I can take floaters. I can just, like, get to my shot in the mid-range. And it's just after being scared to do it in game three, I've just never, like, seen a just, just like, wild fluctuations from one player from game to game. Yeah, he's had... <laughs> two just amazing games <laughs> and he's just been a zero twice so go figure which Harden do you think shows up for game five that's a good question um I have no idea absolutely zero idea I do know that he was amazing tonight absolutely six for nine from deep and I mean with the exception of the final three like most of those, most of those were step backs, like off the dribble, self-created joints. I, he he was wildly impressive, and has and, been wildly impressive twice. And like, but hit knocking down all his mid-range shots. Like he got, I think, four buckets at the rim, but then also had six just nice, just like what exactly the same thing he did in game one of just knocking down this like getting into his position, getting to his uh, space, feeling comfortable. Um, yeah, and he was he was extremely good tonight. Embiid was very good for the first three quarters, um, but then was just gassed. And so I think the Celtics should feel confident, I think, as long as they're not, like, don't have to make another big comeback heading into the fourth quarter. Like, there's nothing that Embiid has done in, well, he, I guess they didn't play at all in the fourth quarter of game too but like he has not been good down the stretch in game three of the fourth quarter or game four in the fourth quarter 
And so I think the Celtics should be fairly confident if, if they can, you know, be even or even slightly ahead heading into the fourth quarter that, like, they, they've shown themselves that they can play basketball in crunch time and, and, and be the better team. How much they outscore the 76ers? They outscore the 76ers 24 to 15 in the fourth quarter of this game. So I think the Celtics obviously are going to be frustrated by loss, obviously uh, should be pissed off for the next two days before game five but like i don't know maybe it's too kaizen of me to be like process wise like i think they just like al horford said can be somewhat encouraged coming off of this shitty shitty loss yeah they really lost the game in the first half like obviously jalen's jalen's double and the final play not getting a shot off that's that's bad both really bad but the 76ers scored 125 points per 100 possessions or points per 100 plays during the first half in the half court. And that's like probably the worst half and maybe by far the worst half the Celtics defense has had in the half court over the last two playoff runs. I just thought they they allowed MB to get easy buckets. They let Harden get cooking. Jalen Brown was the only thing keeping the Celtics in the game for a while. He was – I don't know who he was chirping at or what he was chirping at, but he was he was all sorts of fired up early. He was – and he he was hitting shots and pointing at the court like like it was his court. <laughs> he was he was chirping at somebody. He was chirping at the refs. The, uh, the first foul on him was bad. Bad, that was a bad, bad call. call. And and that I thought, I mean, obviously it's it's not. I didn't think the game was dictated by refs at all. Um, but that first one being bad then means the second one gets him in foul trouble. Then means he's off hard, and then means he plays the rest of the first half. Although he didn't really try to avoid fouls. But no, he, he made didn't. one. He made one attempt at a steal going against Tobias Harris that was foolish as heck. Uh, and he's very lucky to not get pick up his third foul. I think it would have been like six minutes left in the first quarter. Yeah, and then uh, it was just it was it was a really weird Tatum half. Um, just a bad Tatum half. Can't it's have that. So weird in contrast to how good he played in the second half. Like he is like I thought he played like one of his better halves of offensive and like complete basketball in the second half. I thought he was like the the best player on the court in the second half. Even as good as James Harden's playing, I thought Tatum just like had control of the game, was making all of the right reads. But just as good as he was in the second half, he was that bad in the first half. And it's just very, very confusing to kind of get that type of performance. Um, and you're right. I think they lost the game there where, you know, it's very hard to win a game when you miss, what, 14 of 15 shots at one point? Like... They only scored 19 points in the first quarter, and if it wasn't for the 12 early points from Jalen Brown, that like they would have been absolutely doomed. Um, and so I do think they just can't put themselves in a position where they need to make a furious comeback late. Like it's the playoffs; teams are very good. It's going to take a lot of energy just to get back into the game. Um, it's much easier to kind of just put teams away, like they did, uh, I guess in. Uh, game three but they spent all that energy just trying to get back here in game four yeah yeah it was that was a grimy fourth quarter and overtime and for a while it really did feel like 
looked like they were going to take the Sixers' heart. But James Harden, that man bailed them out. He bailed, and PJ Tucker bailed them out with that huge offensive rebound. And, and he didn't do up. anything. Tobias Harris airballed it. PJ Tucker was just lucky. That was the most frustrating thing in the world. More from this perspective, if you're ever like playing pickup and you play like great defense and then there's just an air ball and a guy happens to be in the right position. Uh, Tobias Harris, like the Celtics got multiple defensive stops down the stretch there where they couldn't get the complete offensive rebound. I think that Tobias Harris was off an offensive rebound and he just completely air balls it. And that's the end one to tie the game. Uh, still frustrating to me. Um, I'm not, I didn't mad. think that I'm was only an offensive rebound because it was an air ball though. Uh, he like, was in, sm- he was in position. Smart was guarding Tucker and then because Horford had helped on Harris, Embiid was alone underneath the hoop. And so Smart probably wisely chose to rotate over to Embiid and box him out, which left nobody on on Tucker. And Malcolm wasn't there in time. Uh, Jalen was guarding, I think, Harden at the arc at the time. And, and Tatum and Horford were both both shaded more toward Harris. So big time, big time offensive rebound, big time free throw. Celtics also missed some key free throws. Uh, wasn't like a huge amount of free throws, but seemed like some pretty important ones. Uh, Jason Tatum missed one. Uh, was it? Uh, yeah, he was. They, they He missed two in the fourth quarter. I don't think they got, and no one went to the line for the Celtics other than the smartest smart and one in the overtime. But, yeah, Tatum missed two. Uh, yeah, and they, they were 10 for 13 from the line in the second half. Uh, so it, it wasn't, like, anything egregious, but but there were a couple couple pretty important misses. Uh, yeah, I mean, do you have any other observations from this game? Otherwise, we'll have to we'll call it even. Oh, I wanted to talk about just mostly based on people. What do you think about Jalen's response? Everyone's like tweeting about this right now about like Jalen is asked about only getting three shots in the fourth quarter in overtime, and he responded like, "Oh, I, I guess I got to demand the ball a little bit more." Um, everyone's acting like this is some big controversial comment, but I didn't see it. Like that. No, someone, someone asked him how he needs to get more involved. Yeah, no, Gary just... Washburn asked him about it because I thought Gary was saying that, like, he was surprised Marcus Smart took so many shots he did late. But, like, I thought the Celtics actually did a very good job of making the right play. And I thought Jason, like, Jalen Brown was an example of that where um, Tatum saw that Harden was guarding Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown drove into the paint and made an excellent pass to Marcus Smart in the corner. Like, I don't think. The solution is just kind of like forcing ISOs to Jalen Brown in any sort of situation. I thought the Celtics make sure they actually made good rim reads, made good decisions, especially late. And so I didn't think like fourth quarter offense was at all an issue. And so I thought it was just like it's a weird quote that's kind of getting pulled out of context that I just don't think is as big a deal as anyone or many people are making it out to be right now. Yeah, and, and Jalen kind of said I think his quote was like, He's like, and our, I thought our offense was fine. So basically, he's. I think he was saying like, yeah, like I, I didn't have too many shots, but we were getting good stuff. And that that's that was my read on it. And if if it is, um, if Jalen is pissed, I would imagine 
it would be because the Celtics decided to put the ball in Tatum's hands all the time down the stretch and have Tatum be the one attacking Tyrese Maxey. But I, I didn't get the sense he was pissed at all. Uh, certainly didn't. Not thought, about the offense. <laughs> he might have been pissed about his decision to double <laughs> off uh, James Harden, but he just wasn't pissed about the offense. Yeah, and he he said, I mean, the, the end of his quote was, I thought we chipped away, we made big-time shots, we got great looks all game long, and we just came up short in the end. That's That does not sound pissed to me. <laughs> it doesn't. Uh, so I, I that's probably a, a very much a non-story. And it was just the Celtics wanted the ball in Tatum's hands. They wanted him to attack Maxi, and that's it. Tatum is a higher level decision maker than Jalen. That's just how it is. And so, yes, the Celtics are going to go to him in the clutch. And yes, because Tyrese Maxi was guarding Marcus Smart, the Celtics had Smart be in all the actions rather than Jalen. And that's also, it. just like Smart and Tatum have a lot better chemistry operating ball screens all year like I can't remember often Jay like they don't run a lot of Jason Tatum Jalen Brown ball screens or pick and rolls for each other in which they kind of switch it just feels like the Celtics offense is a lot more comfortable when it's kind of Marcus Smart and Jason Tatum being the the kind of primary decision maker so I wasn't I didn't come away from that fourth quarter being like damn they really looked away from Jalen like I thought they went to Jalen when it was appropriate but like Jason Tatum was very good and is the the guy you want the ball in his hands. Like, first quarter Jalen is a thing, and he's very important. His scoring has been very important for them this entire postseason, and he's been very good. But I don't think it's like they're not giving him an opportunity. It just feels like a weird kind of thing to focus on. Yeah, that that wasn't why the Celtics lost at all. Like, J- no. Jalen, Jalen not being involved was not a bad thing. It was not a failure of the coaching staff. It was not a failure of any of the players. It was just how the game went. That's all. Yeah. They did a damn good job of getting back into the game, but uh, crumbled in the final, what, 50, 30 seconds of overtime. Two, I would say, bad decisions, but obviously the decision to double and beat and leave Harden open is the worst one. The The timeout is going to get, or the lack of timeout is going to get a lot of attention uh, but if that's your main takeaway, then I'm just going to say it, you don't know ball. Uh, and Jay's a brilliant basketball mind, maybe, but um, I do, in fact, know ball. And so, uh, obviously, the attention should be on uh, the decision to double, not the lack of timeout. Yeah, although you can, you can get mad at the timeout if you want. Like, no, I, no. I didn't think it was too egregious. I thought <laughs> it was... The fourth quarter in overtime was it was some of the most purposeful basketball the Celtics have played all season. That's it, and they made they made two really big fucking mistakes, <laughs> and so they lost. And, that's uh, uh, that's how we embrace nuance here on this podcast. It was the best of times, and it was the worst of times. That was it. Just got to close it out. But I did think like that was. That was high-level hoops. It was a good basketball game. Great basketball game. It was a good game. basketball game. All right, as we get ready for game five, you're going to hear this stat a lot. Where I think it's something like the team that wins game five in a series that's tied at 2-2 wins 90% of the time or something like that. And so people are going to try to convince you that game five is important. And you know what? They're right. You want to know why teams win 90% of the time? Because they're up 3-2 in the series. It is one of the dumbest percentages of all time. 
Uh, if you hear that stat, you should point it out and say that's very dumb. That's just basically how statistics and winning works. But Game 5 is an important one. The Celtics will be playing the Philadelphia 76ers on Tuesday night. Jay King and I will be there after that game to talk it all out, break it all down, and uh, bringing you another episode. He's got a brilliant basketball mind. I know ball. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Thanks to everyone on the Athletic Live Room. Oh, if you join the Athletic Live Room and you can't hear us, just plug some headphones in. I don't know why that's the issue, but it generally just helps people out when they say our uh, volume's too low. Plug you some headphones, folks. But thank you for listening to this episode of Anything Is Possible!